Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. What a beautiful day. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it great to be alive even when it's not a nice day? All right, good. I'm glad for that. (laughs) There are few things that cause people more emotion than money. Is that true? Uh, Some people get excited about money. They get tense about money. We get nervous about money. We get upset about money. Sometimes we can get gripped by money. I mean money in all its forms, right? It might be plastic money. It might be real money. It might be virtual money. In fact, let me try to prove it to you. Um, For men, at least, it's been my personal experience that if I were to say to another man that I've known for a reasonably long period of time, so I'm going to pick out one that I've known for a while. He does. This has not been pre, pre-planned, by the way. Well, it's pre-planned by me, but not by anyone else. So the guy I was going to go after isn't here today, so I'm going to go after his, his brother-in-law, uh, who's sitting right here. So most, most men, if you were to say to them, if I, if I were to come to, to Mark, Dom here, <laughs> whom I've known for some years, if I were to come to Mark and I were to say, you know, Mark, I'm, I've been struggling with my weight lately and I'm working on it. And uh, Okay, all right, so it's hypothetical. But, and I were to say, you know, Mark, I, I'm working on this and, and I just really respect you. Do, you, do you, mind, do you mind telling me how much you weigh? Now, if, if there weren't all these people here and we were just you and I, you, would you probably tell me? How much you, you absolutely you'd tell me what you weigh. Good, thank you. Then if I were to say, if I were to come to you and I were to say, you know, Mark, I've been struggling with my finances lately. Do you mind telling me what your your take home income was last year? <laughs> Would that be a bit more of a struggle? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave the right answer. All right, thank you. <laughs> the reality is that if and I realize a lot of people, if I came to you and I said, how much do you weigh, you would be flabbergasted. And in fact, I, it's not something that I would ask you anyway. Um, but, but I have noticed, and I'm not the only one, that you can talk about a lot of things to people. In fact, even, even religion, even matters of faith, people get nervous about that. But when we get really personal about money, it touches a nerve. Have you noticed that? That if we get really up, up close and personal with people, and, and if, I, if I were to come up and I were to say, so what was your, what was your gross income last year? Like, like I, I think you got a pretty good job. And, and how much did you actually make? A lot of people would be, well, that is just absolutely none of your business, right? You know that Jesus Christ, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, just fun fact for you, that when you become a member, you get baptized and you get really serious about your faith in that particular organization. 
that they will check uh, with you about your income and then they will check to make sure that you are tithing. Now, do you find that to be a bit of an affront? Some people would. Uh, And yet, should we get that uptight with people that we share faith with, I'm just asking. Uh, Or not. It's interesting that money is one of those things that we get very, very protective about, more so than some other things. Uh, People might tell you how many pounds they've lost this month or this year, but they're much much less likely to tell you how much debt they've accumulated in the same period of time. So if I were to come to you and I were to ask, so do you, do you have any debt? Do you have any loans? Well, yeah, doesn't everybody? And then if I were to say, do, do you mind telling me how much you owe? Say, no, that's none of your business at all. According to one website I looked at uh, about loans, and then I'm going to give you a quote from Stats Canada, and I do have... Can, I, can we get to my uh, the presentation? The average individual Canadian, now this first stat isn't terribly staggering, but the average individual Canadian owes about $8,500 in consumer debt in addition to their mortgage, okay? Now that, that may be $8,500, that's, that's not maybe too too much. But more than one in 10 Canadians has debt over $25,000 beside mortgages. So you think about paying a mortgage and, and, and trying to survive and get by in life and then adding on to that $25,000, more than one in 10 Canadians added to that. And if it happened to be two people in the same household, then you're looking at 50 grand. That's personal debt, personal debt. The amount that Canadians owe relative to their income continues to grow. We are one of the most indebted, personally indebted nations in all of the world. Far and above. One of the most. And according to StatsCan, in March of this year, Canadians have nearly $1.80 in credit market debt for every dollar of household disposable income. So for every $1 of household disposable income, the average Canadian owes $1.80. You don't have to be an economist to scratch your chin and say, hmm, that might not be such a good thing. So enough about debt. We're in a series on family matters And uh, with those stats as a backdrop, even without them, the fact is that money is often a cause for worry, it's often a cause for stress, it's often a cause for tension, and it's often a cause for conflict in family relationships. And that's especially true for marriages. Uh, It's especially true for all family relationships. And it's true for... For married couples, it's true for single-parent families who have, to, who have more to juggle alone uh, than when there's more than one parent. And I, I commend, I admire, uh, we have a, uh, one particular friend, she's a single mom and has been for quite a number of years, and I have great admiration for her, for her ability to juggle faith and finances with her son 
and I have I just have a great amount of respect knowing her situation. On the other hand, money and all of our resources can be viewed as opportunities. Would you say amen to that? That all that has been stewarded to us uh, can be an opportunity as provision by God for his plans and his purposes. So this morning, we're going to look at some of what God's word has to say about money, about finances, and we're going to draw some principles from there and from a couple of helpful Christian writers as well. The first scripture that I want to reference is Psalm 24, verse 1. And Psalm 24, verse 1 reads, The earth is the Lord's. Can you send me backwards? There we go, thank you. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. And I would add to that from 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20, uh, what actually where, where Pastor Wayne was earlier today. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Now, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. And we have been bought with a price. And that price was the price that Jesus Christ paid for us on the cross as the perfect sinless lamb we've just been singing about. The first principle and point today is that God is the owner. We are the stewards. So the earth is the Lord's and everything in it And we come to the recognition that if this beautiful blue ball known as earth is the result of a creative act by a loving father and a loving creator, if this earth was created by God and all that's in it, however he did it in great detail, we believe that God created the earth. Amen? And if that's the case, and it all ultimately belongs to God, and as God said to Adam and to Eve, he says to us, be fruitful and multiply and take good care of this earth because it belongs to God. It changes things. It changes things that every good and perfect gift is from the Father of heavenly lights and so that everything that I would call mine, one of the first words that children love to own, right? Mine. And it is no less an important word for adults than it is for children, right? That what I believe is mine is actually not mine because if it's good, ultimately, it actually belongs to God. Amen? And we just sang about surrendering and giving everything to God. And let me suggest that when we come to follow Jesus, and when we come to that place of our lives being transformed, we step-by-step recognize that every corner and every aspect of our life and of our lives are to be surrendered to God for His leading because He cares about us. Just like children go to parents asking for good advice because ultimately everything that I think is mine as a child really has come from my parents. It's, It's a parallel, isn't it? And if everything ultimately belongs to God and we've come to the cross, may it be that you and I can learn increasingly what it is to actually surrender all that's been given to us to God. 
And that includes our finances. That includes all of our stuff. And those are the things that are difficult to surrender, aren't they? Those are the things that are difficult to loosen our grip on. We need to resist the inclination to believe that we are the owner. Uh, even Even of our children and our family members, that they do belong to God. And slowly but surely, we, we, we loosen the grip there as well. And we say, Lord, we've got to give them up to you. I mean, my son is at, is at overflow this weekend. And uh, slowly, we, we loosen that grip, right, on a 17-year-old to say, well, hey, when I was 17, I wasn't living at home. And so the control needs to be less and less. God owns it all. And God has given a portion of his stuff for us to manage wisely. So we're stewards. We're managers of somebody else's stuff. It's like what we experienced uh, a couple of years ago. Tarina and I went uh, on a vacation. We went to the West Coast uh, to BC where we used to live. And we went, we visited some friends. And they took incredible care of us. I, I won't detail what they did for us. But we did. We went on a cruise and we left out of Seattle. And they called and they said, you know what? Don't worry about about getting down to Seattle. You, you fly into Vancouver. We will pick you up. We're going to bring you to our condo building. Friends of ours are away on vacation. You can have their condo uh, for the night before you go, and then we will drive you. It's about a three-hour drive from Vancouver down to Seattle. We'll drive you to Seattle. We'll drop you off. You take your cruise to Alaska. When you come back, uh, you get a bus, come back to West, New Westminster, and we'll pick you up uh, from one of the bus stops and we'll drive you back to the con. We never asked for this. And they said, we'll just be your taxi service. You don't have to rent a car. And we'll bring you back to our condo building and you can be back in our, in our friend's condo. And it was kind of like being in that friend's condo. We've never seen their friends. We've actually never met them physically. We left a note of thanks for them. We left some money for them, which they sent back to us, <laughs> which is incredibly kind to them. But there we were in their $800,000 condominium and thinking, you know, we've got to be really careful. This does not belong to us. But we have been given for a couple of nights, we've been given permission to be in this place. It belongs to them, so we're going to take very special care. And that, for me, was just a reminder of what it is, our relationship, similarly with God, and how he's stewarded to us while we're here on this earth. This earth is, and everything in it is like that condominium. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 25 of servants or employees who were left with money from their master, their, their boss, to manage while he was gone. And it's like that. Pastor Robert Morris has written an excellent book, a couple, a couple of excellent books, about, and one of them is about personal, sound personal finances entitled Beyond Blessed. And I want to give a shout out to Adam Padfield because Adam is the one who directed me to this book. I was familiar with a previous book that Pastor Morris had written. I've recently read the first two chapters of Beyond Blessed. I commend it to you, and I'm going to commend uh, another uh, author to you. Some of what I say this morning is from that book. And uh, I expect we'll speak to finances again this summer. But he reminds us 
that we are stewards, God's stewards of our time, our talents, our relationships, our wealth. And handling these things well qualifies us for blessing. I believe that. Just like when we at our workplace or at home, if we're given responsibility and we do it well, we will be given more responsibility. We'll be trusted with more. And that is part of God's blessing and the privilege of being entrusted with more. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5 read, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. They'll surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And we can't take it with us either, can we? And so let me suggest, secondly, that we are wisely called to live within our means. That's one of the most basic principles when it comes to living with finances, which means, very simply, uh, don't spend more than we make, right? And we do factor in, especially, uh, a lot of people, mortgages. And the reason that only so much is allowed for people to take by way of mortgage is because calculations are done based on how much we, we make so that we can stay living within our means. I had lunch this week with a friend that I hadn't gotten together with in over a year. And as I pulled into the parking lot of the restaurant in Kitchener on Fairway Road, as I pulled into the parking lot, I was following this really pretty car. It was a a convertible, a BMW convertible, cabriolet. And I was not coveting. I was just admiring, right? And I just said to myself out loud, as I often do when I see some cars, I said, man, that is a pretty car. And so as I, as I pulled in and I was, I was ready to park, sure enough, who hops out of that car? My friend. <laughs> and the first thought that comes into my head is, wait a minute, that's not right. Why is he driving that car? And I am, no, that's okay, Lord, you're right. It's okay that he's driving that car. It's okay to let other people have nicer stuff. Amen? Uh, The reality is, and I'll probably give this stat another time, but the reality is we are among the wealthiest people in the world, period. And so it's all about perspective, right? And it's very easy for us to see people who make a lot more than we do, people who are richer, wealthier than we are. But boy, oh boy, there is nothing more important than spiritual wealth. Amen? There's nothing more important than having the wealth and knowing that we are going to inherit riches beyond measure in eternity that we have been promised that through life in Christ. And that we are experiencing that even now, abundant life in Christ. It's not about the stuff. May you and I live modestly relative to our income. May we be very careful with what we've been given. May we please, please, please be very careful with plastic. May we be very careful with credit cards. 
because we can accumulate so much debt so quickly. And if we only pay back what they say we have to pay back, uh, it could be 30 or 40 years before we actually get a payback, and that's no exaggeration. And then we will have paid back a great deal more than what we had, bo- we had borrowed in the first place. So we were in a small group a number of years ago, and friends of ours who were in that group, uh, they brought a very genuine concern to, to the group, and they said, you know what, we are really struggling financially, and, and, and it's affecting our marriage, and, and we're at each other sometimes, and it's just really, really stressful. We're deciding whether or not we need more work, if we need another job. We're, just, we're, we're having trouble making ends meet. Now, they lived in a pretty nice house. So obviously they had a pretty sizable mortgage. There was a main floor, there was an upstairs, there was a downstairs, they had two children. And I suggested to them in our small group meeting, because we were, you know, we were comfortable with each other, I said, have you guys ever, have you guys ever considered living in a smaller house? And it was like I had slapped them across the face. Here's an example of if you get personal about things financial, you touch a nerve. But the reason I said that to them was because I really cared. And I said to them, you know, if, if you downsized, then you could probably have a much, you could probably have a smaller mortgage and you could take some of the stress off. But you know what? That was not on the table for them. And I am sorry to say they are not together anymore. And I am sorry to say that one of the factors in their relationship and the relationship of so many people is that finances become oppressive. And so living within our means is so, so important. Remember this. Here here, uh, are these verses again that we've heard this morning, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's that's a, a promise from God, that when we are generous, we will, we will notice God's generosity more than we did before. And God's generosity might not necessarily be that, that our income is going to double or triple, but I've seen that happen in people's lives. But we will recognize the generosity of God, whether it is monetary or not, and our hearts will be filled with gratitude. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the context of that passage is Paul, the writer, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in in, in the area of Corinth about their giving and about their giving of some things to him. And there was... a a tense relationship between the two of them at times. And so Paul was encouraging them. He said, you give whatever you're able. God loves a cheerful giver. The reality is that most people are able to give more than they think they have, than they can, based on standard of living and based on tightness of grip. May we be generous people. And in our families, may we teach our children and model for our children generosity and 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 may we not borrow to be generous Uh, we need to be very careful that if we ever borrow that we that we be careful that we're borrowing for less than what we're giving for does that make sense 
it's just kind of basically that if we go to invest money and if we were to borrow it at 6% and we were to invest it at 3 not a good idea, right? Be generous, Pastor Morris writes, because our hearts are overflowing with gratitude to God for his extravagant, gracious gifts of salvation and eternal life. That's a great word. And he says this, I love this. He says, don't give to get, but give to live. Give to love and get to give. Don't give to get, but get to give. That's the heart of generosity. May we understand we are stewards, not owners. Live within our means. Be generous. And then Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a a child in the way that he or she should go. When they're old, they'll not turn from it. And so fourthly, uh, talk and teach about money. No matter what age that we talk and teach about money with our children, we talk about money as couples. So this afternoon, I'm going to meet with a couple who are getting married in September. And one of the things that's very important to me, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an economist, I'm not, a, I'm not a CFP, I'm not a certified financial planner, but that doesn't mean that we can't have some good principles to pass on to others about wise finances. And so I always go to finances with the couple that I'm going to be marrying, mainly to ask, are you two on the same page when it comes to finances? Do you guys, have you had any arguments about money? Now, the couple that I'm meeting today, I trust them, and they're just, they're just really happy together, and that's wonderful. And they just say, no, we're totally on the same page. We share the same account. We've got the same, we're, we have the same priorities when it comes to spending. And I say, praise the Lord, because that's so, so important. Children see our example. I've said it before, I'll say it again, that for children... As parents, we are their most important counselors because they watch us, they see us, and they will model us whether we like it or not. The other author is Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is a Christian businessman, radio host, a teacher on personal money management, including his first book on money management entitled Financial Peace. And he wrote, actually, he wrote the foreword to Pastor Morris's book that I'm reading uh, on being blessed. So a shout out this time to the Langwas. And I saw you. Where are you? Where, there you guys are. So the Langwas have a, have a life group, right? And, and that life group is focusing on finances. Do you mind the advertisement? The ad's okay? All right. Is it still going right now, the small group? Yeah, it is too. Yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> there you go. It's hard to keep people in talking about finances. But I want to thank you for your, the fact that this has been on your hearts for a while. I know that I've heard that. And, and it's, it's Dave Ramsey's material that, that uh, you're using uh, and that you want people to hear and say, these are great principles that we all need to be following. And Dave Ramsey writes, A study by the University of Cambridge found that money habits in children are formed by the time they are, wait for it, seven years old. That sounds young to me, 
But wow, uh, that's, that's sobering, isn't it? A study by the University of Cambridge found money habits in children are formed by the time they're seven years old. Now, you say, how on earth can a seven-year-old form money habits? Well, the answer is because they're watching their parents. And they hear the conversations that their parents have, whether they're happy conversations or they're unhappy conversations or they're stressful conversations about money. They hear. And not only do they hear when you know they're listening, but they also hear when you're up at night in the family room or in the TV room talking together and they're standing outside in the hallway up and you don't know they're up and they're eavesdropping on you. you ever, anybody ever do that as a kid? All right, so guess what? They do it too. And he writes, Dave Ramsey writes, little eyes are watching you. If you're slapping down plastic every time you go out to dinner or the grocery store, they'll eventually notice. And I do, by the way. I carry very little cash. And I do, I do slap down plastic, but we pay it off automatically from our, our bank account every month. We pay off our credit card. We have a single credit card. And it's, it's only, we have one MasterCard. I don't use any other credit cards. And we pay it off at the end of every month. Now, you might say, but I can't. And I get that. But I, I still want to encourage you to move toward getting to that place. Amen? Because it, it can be just absolutely oppressive. So he says, uh, or if you and your spouse are arguing about money, they'll notice that too. Set a healthy example for them. They'll be much more likely to follow it when they get older. Our 22-year-old son, who's in university, he's on a co-op right now uh, throughout the rest of the summer yet. But he talks to me about how he's handling his finances. It's, it's almost obsessive. It's not quite. But what, what I appreciate is I see him, how he handles his finances on his own. And here's an example. He takes the money from his student loans, which are at 0% until he graduates, and then he puts them into a high-rate savings account, which is like 2%. <laughs> but you know what? He's been really smart, really wise. And I say to him, I am so proud of you and bless you for that uh, because he's using principles just that he watched us do similar kinds of things when he was younger. Parents need to be on the same page so far as you're able. And if you're not together, so far as you're able to be on the same page. And my heart goes out to you if you're in a situation uh, where your children go back and forth and you have different views of finances. Because sometimes it can be made competitive by somebody who is trying to buy the approval of their children. And that is not easy to deal with. And my heart goes out to you. In our families, there may be cycles that need to be broken generationally because perhaps the example that was set for us was one of poor financial management and it needs to be broken. And you may be the one in your generation that you're in the place to be able to make that change as you surrender that to Jesus. I want to encourage you on Right Now Media. You know that we all have access to rightnowmedia.org. And at Right Now Media, you can find some great resources from David Ramsey and others on 
good, sound, biblically-based finances. He gives some very practical ideas. Uh, DavidRamsey.com, by the way, is a great place that we can go, uh, that you can go as well. He says, show them that stuff costs money no matter their age, just so that they understand Uh, it's not free. Dave Ramsey says, this is interesting. He says, don't give your children allowances, give them commissions. And what he means by that simply is, don't just give them free money, but as they do chores around the house, as they contribute, then help them to understand that there needs to be an investment that's being made of work. I appreciate that. And he says, avoid impulse buying as much as possible. That's just, that's just good advice, especially if we don't have it, the money to do that. And let me also suggest that we model and teach, so far as we're able, tithing. Now, some people would argue that in the New Testament, tithing is not mandated. It, it, it's, not, it's not given as an instruction. It is given as an instruction that the first fruits of all that's earned in the Old Testament, many, many times throughout the Old Testament, that we tithe, which means 10% right off the top, that we give that to the Lord. But here, Jesus endorsed it. Jesus didn't say, you better tithe. That actually Jesus said, when you tithe. And that simply means that Jesus understood that that was part of how you roll. And you might say today, you know, there's no way that I could take 10% off, off the top and that I could give it back to God. Because I've got all of these bills and I've got all of these loans and I just can't do it. So let me suggest a couple of things. Let me suggest first and foremost that you budget. Because when we actually assess how do I spend my money every week, every month, we will find, I can find in my life, and the staff could tell you every day that I walk in here with a large, with a single cream, right? If I were in a... If I were in a place to say, Lord, I can't give you 10%, that's something that I would need to address. I would need to say, you know what, maybe that's something that I could do without. Let me suggest that we do that and that together we do that budgeting and that we move toward giving. And I'm not saying you just give to the church so that you can pay my salary. Please understand that. I'm saying you give as the Lord directs you, because there are so many places where we could give that tithe, that 10%, where the Lord can use it. And of course, I believe that the church is a place where we ought to give that, but we ought to give that in confidence, knowing that it's being used wisely. And I do want to say, in in the time that I've been here, I've been here about six months, that I really do see in the leadership of this church a real wisdom and a care that's given with the use of the resources that I've been given. Would you say amen? And I want to also say that I have seen in this church great generosity. And I want to say amen to that. That when we're told uh, we want to sponsor children for VBC and it costs 30 or $40, people line up and they come and they say, I want to, I want to sponsor a child. I want to sponsor a couple of children. I say, thank you, Lord. There are so many opportunities how we can bless people. And so many opportunities that we can give to the Lord. In fact, I believe that in the New Testament, when we're told, give as you're able, that for most of us, we probably can give more than 10%. We're not all able to. 
But I believe that generosity is about giving more than that. From a young age, my mother taught me tithing. And here was a conflict at home. My father refused to tithe. We were a single-income family. My father was even on the board for a while. Uh, Board members, I hope you're tithing. (laughs) I do. Uh, But my mother, whenever she made a little bit from from, uh, going in and and, and teaching as a supply teacher, she would immediately give that 10%. She taught me that from a young age when I had a paper route and I cut grass all through life. And I believe that I have been, in our own little way, we have been blessed because of that. I truly believe that. We have been blessed spiritually, and we have been blessed so many times we have been blessed monetarily because of that obedience. Brothers and sisters, God has been so generous to us in so many ways. God is the owner of all that is good, and we are the stewards. Are you and I willing this morning and tomorrow and every day to keep surrendering to him what he's given to us? Is the Holy Spirit nudging any of us this morning to say, you know, uh, maybe there need to be some changes. Maybe there needs to be a loosening of the grip. Uh, Maybe there needs to be less offense taken when God speaks to us about our finances. Are we living within our means? Uh, are Are we struggling with debt? Are we generous? God has called us to generosity. And are we talking and teaching about money? Now, I want to talk about this great opportunity for us to be generous in our community. And for Wilmot, uh, how many of you participated in For Wilmot back in the fall? It was just before I came. A lot of you did. And For Wilmot as a church, just an opportunity for us to bless uh, this township in the name of Jesus. That's why we want to do that, right? Uh, in order that they would see the generosity of Christ. And I believe in this because uh, throughout my life, uh, I've, I believe in giving away stuff free as a way to break ice, as a way to open the door for conversations with people. And so uh, I, had said, I had mentioned the date June 8th the other week. Uh, I met together with a couple of staff when we were here, uh, together in one of our staff meetings, and we just had a wonderful brainstorming time to, together. And we have set the dates, two weeks, and I'll explain why. Last time it was mostly a day, and that was because we hit all of the schools in the area. So what we've done this time is we have a two-week window, and we're making phone calls uh, to the fire department, to the police, to uh, EMS. Oh, I have another page. Wonderful. To the township yard, uh, to the township public works, and for uh, for the municipality, like town, town council. And... And we're asking them, when during those two weeks can we come to bring you some goodies? But we, wanna, we, just, we just want to say thank you, and we want to bless you. And we want to say God bless you as we do that. And so we're setting dates uh, when they're available. And the, here's the other cool thing that we're going to do that we have gotten permission for. And I say thank you, Lord, for this. Is we have gotten permission. There's a day, and we're going to confirm this, that we're going to go to the rec center outside and to another uh, park in New Hamburg. And we're going to set up a table 
and we're going to hand out free freezies. And uh, now we're not going to be, and well, I'll give some instructions. We're not going to be able to wander around because that would be creepy in our day and age. And they go, hey, you want a freezy? Okay. And if somebody were doing that or were my child, I would say, no, thank you. All right. But so we're going to, we're, we're allowed to set up a table to say who we are. And then when people come, we can say, bring your friends. And what we're, what, what, uh, has been suggested. Actually, James is making calls about this. They've been told there's a soccer tournament on such and such a day, and there will be hundreds of people at that soccer tournament, and we just want to bless them. Uh, we just want to. We we just we want to in in Jesus' name say God bless you, and here's just a little something for you, and we'll probably put a little sticker on it that's hashtag for Wilmot as just a really really soft sell. So will you please be praying about those two weeks? And, and, uh, and then next week, we'll start by putting out sign-up sheets uh, next Sunday so that you can sign up, whether it's to be making things, baking things, uh, contributing things like gift cards, and we'll make it very clear, just like last time, specifically what you can donate uh, on those uh, sign-up sheets for donations, as well as for participation. If you want to be involved in the distributing of these things, we'll have the dates and the places, and we'll give some instructions about what's to be said and what's not to be said as well when we go. I want to give one last verse. It's Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and serve money. Isn't that true? Uh, money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not the root of all evil. Money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's what God's word says. And we cannot serve God and something else at the same time. And we will call that the spirit of mammon. We do not want to be controlled by the spirit of mammon or the spirit of money or the spirit that controls us to want stuff. Wealth is for the benefit of God's kingdom, which is to be shared. May you and I commit our finances to the Lord as we commit our families to the Lord. And you know, that, that, that message goes to me uh, as much as to anyone. Uh, again, God is the owner. We are the stewards living within our means so that we can be generous, talking and teaching about money and being a blessing because we have been blessed. If you have any questions about Fort Wilmot, please feel free uh, to come and talk to me. I'm not going to be here next Sunday. I'm going to be uh, speaking in Listowel. Uh, but please, if you have any questions, uh, come and ask me, and, uh, and I'll do my best. And again, as I say, we'll have those sign-up sheets. I'm going to invite the musicians uh, at this time to come forward. And again, if there's anything that you need to pray about, please feel free to come at the end of the service this morning. Uh, we have people who would love to pray with you. And if there's anything that the Holy Spirit is saying to you about wealth, about finances, about your family, will you hear what he's saying? And will you recommit and continue to commit to him and to the cross, what's been given. All that is good belongs to God.
And if you are having a struggle financially right now, again, my heart goes out to you. And I want to pray uh, for all situations. I want to pray that you will see a way through of provision. I had friends come to me once, and they had gotten themselves deep, deep, deep into debt. And they came to me as their pastor. And they were hoping that I could give them a word from the Lord that would free them from their situation just like that. And all I could say to them was, you know, I wish I could, but I'm not getting one. And the reality is that you're in a deep hole and and it's going to be a struggle for you to get out. But God is walking with you every step of the way, however you get out of that. And sometimes that is the reality. But what a blessing when we are blessed so that we can bless. Let's pray together. Lord, I I give you praise today that you are a a wonderfully generous God. And as we sang, you are faithful. You have been faithful with so much. And Lord, for anybody here today who is struggling, God, I pray in Jesus' name for provision and for blessing and for wisdom with all that is in their care. Lord, for for those who are, are struggling because of, of things beyond their control, like illness, like crisis, like loss of job. Oh, Lord, we pray for them in the name of Jesus for provision. And Lord, for those who have been blessed with much, uh, Lord, give us wisdom, we pray, with what we've been stewarded with in order to honor you, in order to bless others. And as a church, Lord, may we continue to be wise stewards of all that we've been given. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.